Hey guys, Jim Cox, Devon Financial Partners, Park Avenue Securities. I'm here today with an interview from um, last year. It's with uh, Ian Dunlop, and there's actually a blog version of this when I transcribed it um, at that time before I started doing podcasts. But I thought the content of the interview itself was worthwhile considering what's going on in terms of climate change today with the uh, heating over the Arctic and some of the other um, kind of effects that uh, are really playing out around the world. So what I wanted to do is give you a chance to listen to, uh, to this interview, this original interview, and um, you know, judge for yourselves uh, what's going on and you know, be able to contribute. So I appreciate you taking the time. Give a listen. Faith, we got here, so that's all that matters. I wanted to basically just learn more about the work you do in terms of uh, sustainability and um, kind of get your feel for what can be done in terms of climate change and kind of the experience that you've had with business and what you think the effect on the economy is going to be. So, I mean, it's kind of wide-ranging, but, you know, it's um, just trying to put together basically a, a set of views from different people from different parts of the world on what's going on and, and trying to come up with a kind of larger picture. So... So where did you get my contact details from? Oh, from uh, LinkedIn. Uh, I think you had uh, you were you had an article or something that seemed uh, interesting, and that's how we uh, ended up connecting. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I mean, my background is in the resource business. Um, you know, this is essentially about risk management. 
change of the jet stream around the northern hemisphere, which is locking in these major problems that you're now starting to see with uh, you know, extended high temperature periods in certain parts of North America. And in contrast to that, also extended cold periods or cold extended flood periods in certain other areas. So, for example, the you know the problems you had in uh, in the south south of the U.S. Uh, last year, extreme flooding in the Mississippi, was because of the jet stream getting locked in for periods of time. The problem they've now got in Fort McMurray in Canada is a similar thing because the jet stream is sort of locking in that high uh, high temperature, you know, very dry atmosphere, and uh, the boreal forests are now drying out. And once that happens, they become extremely dangerous in terms of. Um, you know, fire, fire risk, which is what precisely has happened. And if you look around the world right at this minute, you'll find that um, in China there are major bushfires um, burning in a lot of fairly unpopulated areas in the same neighborhood. So these things are happening. And uh, the Paris Agreement, which you know was entered into last December, I mean, people hailed as a diplomatic triumph. In a practical sense, it's a complete disaster because what it does is effectively um, give people a false sense or a sense of complacency that somehow uh, the solutions are there to stay below two degrees C and indeed to get down you know, to 1, 1.5 degrees C as a maximum limit about pre-industrial temperatures. Yeah. Now, the, the, hard, the, the hard fact of it is it is impossible now stay below one and a half degrees C. We've probably already locked in something like 1.8, 1.9. Because of what we've historically done, even if we never miss another ton of carbon from now on, because of a lag effect in the climate system. And it is going to be exceptionally difficult to stay below two degrees C. But what Paris is saying is, well, we should be aiming for one and a half certainly you know, the official limit. Um, we set up an agreement that we kick off in 2020. We don't review the conditions of that until three years afterwards. And the undertakings that have been given in Paris are effectively going to lead the world to a temperature increase of probably around three and a half degrees C. It's completely unrealistic and frankly totally irresponsible to be suggesting that in some way we can you know, aim for one and a half degrees C and you know, we have the solutions to do it because the, the sort of things that people are talking about are basically technologies that are totally unproven and the ones that have got some degree of credibility or not credibility but have you know, been tried to some extent by carbon capture and storage are just not producing the results that we require. So it, it's complete nonsense. And the major corporations around the world and the major investors are you know, sort of sucking it up uh, with absolutely no understanding of what the implications are. So, you know, sadly, we are at the point where the chances of us staying, getting on top, of the major impacts of climate change are getting slimmer and slimmer by the day. And you can already see that. So my logic, quite simply, is the only way we're going to get on top of this thing is if we uh, effectively declare a global emergency. And 
largest attackers. Um, this is not new. I mean, this has been patently bloody obvious for the last 10 years. Yeah. So, uh, what we're now seeing is the, the unfolding of all of that, that uh, the evidence uh, is now mounting that we are probably now in irreversible positions in, um, in a number of areas around the world. And you're now starting to see the financial and the social instability that comes from that. I and mean, Syria is basically a climate change issue. It's driven by climate change, even though nobody wants to talk about it in those terms. Um, you know, the, the same thing in North Africa and the Sahel. With, um, so the refugee crisis you're getting in, in Europe now is basically climate change driven. Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing. It's amazing to me because you, uh, I think when you look at like what happened in North Africa and Syria, I mean, that all really uh, stemmed from the drought of 2012 and what that did to food prices and um, kind of uh, creating the environment for the uh, revolutions that ended up taking place and the dislocations. And we're at a place now where, you know, you look at commodity markets and Commodity markets are saying that, you know, we got plenty of food and it's cheap and, you know, there's nothing to worry about. But then, you know, all it takes is, you know, something to turn and you have a hockey stick of on the price and the, the uh, yields of what's going to be produced. But nobody pays attention to it. of the mileage of the cars, I think nobody took that into account when they were basically uh, projecting how much oil was going to be used for cars, and then all of a sudden over the course of five years you have increases in gas mileage that leave a lot of excess supply. So. Well, 
in July, yeah, I mean, the oil spiked to, what was it, 150? 147 yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, the, point, the point is that the, the cost of energy, I mean, the, the, the energy return on investment, which you may know about, um, has basically been going down now for years. I mean, we, we found the low-hanging fruit in the oil business years and years ago. The uh, discovery rates have dropped off. The oil industry is having to spend more and more capital to produce less and less oil because it's having to work in harder and harder places. Um, fracking came in and produced a sort of, um, well, a bit of a mirage in the sense of saying, well, you know, we have the solution to our problems. I mean, fracking only works, you know, $80 to $100 a barrel. Essentially, when energy or oil at that level, essentially sends the Western economies into recession. And that's basically what's happened. And we haven't, you know, we, we haven't recovered from 2008 despite all of the quantitative easing and what have you. So we're now in an extremely dangerous position because we, because of climate change and its acceleration, we have got to transform economies to a low carbon footing far faster than anybody expected. Secondly, uh, we are running out, we've run out of cheap oil. And essentially, the more expensive stuff uh, is not sustainable economically without you know, causing a further major economic problem. So, I mean, you've got a, a real potential for crises there, which are much higher than 2008 risks that I think we're running. Thirdly, you, you've essentially got a, an economic system you know, where the central banks have used up most of their flexibility in um, you know, quantitative easing and uh, low interest rates, the, the whole shit, you know, shooting up to the point where their ability to, uh, in essence, um, bail out the system again in the way they did in 2008 uh, is considerably less than previously. And so, as, you know, as all this stuff comes together, um, it seems to me that, you know, we're, the world economy is now in uh, fairly deep shit, to be quite frank, because it doesn't require very much to tip it over the edge, and uh, we don't have the levers, essentially, to uh, pull out of that in the way that we want to do. What do you uh, work with businesses as far as advising them on kind of sustainability and climate change, then? Thank you. 
what is going to happen increasingly, and it is going to have a major economic impact far faster than anybody officially is prepared to admit. Mm. I mean, you listen to Trudeau in, uh, in Canada talking about corporate marriage. I mean, Trudeau is coming from a position of accepting climate change and what have you. But he's still you know, coming out and saying, well, you can't say this is entirely due to climate change. Well, I mean, that's nonsense. It is, there is no question. This is exactly what the scientists have been telling us was going to happen. And it's happened. So the longer we sort of, you know, try and fool ourselves that this is, uh, you know, some other issue and it's all going to go away. Um, too bad. I mean, it, it, you know, we've got, we've got the worst El Nino um, weather system we've ever had. I mean, 1998 was the last one, which was bad. This one is worse. It is undoubtedly pushing temperatures higher than the average trend. But the problem with what's going on is if you look uh, as to what that's doing in the Arctic, it is accelerating the melt in a way we've never seen before. So the fact that we've got a high spike last year and this year in temperatures and changing conditions is probably going to have um, a positive feedback effect in kicking up the trend line. Yeah. And it probably, I mean, it may come back down to a, a lower level, but it, it may well not. But that lower level is already bad enough. I mean, that is leading us to probably four to six degrees C temperature increases at the moment. Well, the slope is, uh, the slope of the increase is increasing, so, I mean, that's... Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. What, um... Anyway, look, I've got a range of papers I can send you on these things, which set it out, um... Do you have my email? Uh, I don't, no. I'll give you mine. Why don't you, um, why don't you just send me a message saying particularly what your interests are, and I'll, I'll give you a bit of background info on it. Yeah, what's your email? It's it Dunlop, I-T-D-U-N-L-O-P, at Ozemail, O-Z-E-M-A-I-L, dot com, C-O-M, dot A-U. O-Z-E-M-A-I-L dot com slash A-U? Dot A-U. Dot A-U. Yeah. First okay. Um, Are there any companies that are leaders in terms of dealing with climate change or addressing what needs to be changed for the new environment? Well, um... Yeah, I mean, uh, a company like Unilever, for example, uh, Paul Polman, who's doing a hell of a work on really trying to structure them in a way that can face up to all of this. Um, most of the corporate, I mean, there's an awful lot of corporate greenwash going on, particularly in the lead up to Paris, about, you know, people uh, forming coalitions to uh, come up with solutions. I mean, there are a number 
them 
that's a that's a great uh, analogy. We, we just had a completely different sort of you know set of um, criteria when we know full well that um, they're quite unrealistic. Do you um do you have kids, Ian? Yeah, I've got. Do you? So I've got uh, grandchildren too. So what? What kind of world do you think that they're going to live in? What what kind of world do you think they're going to uh, inherit? A rather nasty one, unless we go up our ass and do something about it. I mean, the fact is that, I mean, that population estimate stuff I was talking about is quite real. I mean, this is what the top scientists have been saying for a long time. A world where you drop population, I mean, where we're headed now, population will drop back, you know, one billion from seven billion. That's the sort of thing that's going to happen. Now, quite how it occurs and how fast it'll occur, it's uh, hard to make those predictions. But you know, fundamentally, um, it's not going to be a very nice place. Yeah. And people need to get their heads around that and uh, and be honest about um, you know talking about. Excellent. Um, I appreciate your taking the time. What I'm going to do is I'm going to basically uh, convert it to uh, to word and um, write it up and what I'll do is I'll send it to you for you to review just so I get everything correct as you would want um, before I send it to my compliance department and then um, you know I would hope to get it out you know as well, an this interview is not about next. compliance you know what's that this is not about compliance. I mean, this is really a matter of absolute strategic importance for your board of directors. Well, I, I understand that, but the, the unique uh, ability for what we're talking about is I can interview you and you can tell me what you tell me, and they yeah. can't say no because it's your words, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's, why, uh, that's why I'm doing this is it actually loosens it, things up that more of the truth can get out because there's more of a dialogue to it and actually create a a composite picture that makes more sense for more people to, to motivate them. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, well, that's fine. I appreciate your uh, diligence in uh, in terms of trying to get together and, and uh, connect. Okay, not a problem. Look forward to talking further in due course. Sounds good. Take care, Ian. Good night. Yeah.